Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey everyone, you might remember me from Teen Mom 2, but my 15 minutes is almost up. So I'm back with another podcast. I'm your barely famous host, Kale Lowry, and I'm catching up with people from my past, putting my asses on the hot seat and chatting with TikTokers, influencers, and other reality stars. Get Weird With Me every Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Today we are just taking your calls. Every once in a while we like to just hear from you guys and answer questions. Old school, so we'll be doing that. I thought before uh, we got to the phone zone, I, I would talk a little bit about uh, my buddy Bob Saget and what happened to him. We now know that there was an intracranial bleed. I have lots of thoughts about this. Uh, one is it was a little odd to me that they didn't report that sooner because you see intracranial bleeds right away at the time of the so-called gross dissection of the autopsy, and he had an autopsy very quickly. So I don't know why they did not report that right away. The other thing is for a middle-aged man to hit his head hard enough to die subsequently of an intracranial bleed – and again, they didn't really specify whether it was a subdural or a parenchymal bleed or an epidural bleed. These are different kinds of bleeds and are associated with different intensities of head injury. But let's assume it was a epidural bleed. Uh, well, let's not even make assumptions. Let's just say it was a bad enough head injury to cause a bleed of sufficient uh, quantity to essentially squash his brain. That's how ble- bleeds do that. They just kind of squash the brain, especially in the back of the head. They can hit to get to the brain stem. They can cause what's called a herniation. You, in your brain, you have a, a very thick um, shelf that separates the top part of the brain from the lower part, which is the brain stem and the cerebellum. And if the pressure gets high on top, the brain literally pushes through that falx, it's called F-A-L-X, and that squashes the – that's it. You're done right then. That's it. So I don't know if he herniated or not. That's also wasn't in the report. So there's a lot of stuff missing. But the thing that is most troubling to me is not that this happened, which is the sad part. Because like, if you look at – go watch Heather McDonald's video. She collapses on stage. She is unconscious before she hits the ground. She has a clear, sudden drop in her blood pressure, massive hypotension. A middle-aged woman and a middle-aged man like Saget, and apparently Chelsea Handler has had something like this too, though again, no details have been released on that. They don't – that does not happen to them. That that does not happen, okay? They, they don't suddenly lose their blood pressure. Um, I mean, if they were hiking in the desert for two days and had underlying cardiac pathology and jumped up suddenly from a lying position, maybe. But even though those people, even that circumstance, people will typically kind of know they're falling and put their hands out to protect their head or they do not go backwards like that. That kind of backwards are, is because the legs 
completely collapse because she, and in Bob's case, I'm sure, probably already unconscious. Well, Heather, definitely unconscious. You can see it. So the question is, why is everyone dropping out all of a sudden? Now, uh, something's going on, right? I'm going to sort of fill in the story on Bob. What what I suspect happened was he was probably brushing his teeth or something at at the bathroom and woke up on the floor. He he didn't have any warning that he was going down. He lost consciousness. God knows how long he was down on the floor. And one of the things about head injury is it's disorienting, and you're 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 fatigued. I mean, you're exhausted. You're you're you've been you know you've been hit over the head and rendered unconscious. Your next move is not to walk out to the lobby and go, I need an ambulance. You might go to your phone, but it's not uncommon for people to go. I don't know what just what happened. Let me lay down for a second. And unfortunately, that's enough to have trouble. You know how people always say, if you've had a concussion, they wake you up all the time to make sure you're okay? This is that circumstance. So there was nobody there to wake him up or to see if he woke up and all of the above. As you see with Heather McDonald, she ended up in the hospital in the ICU because they had to monitor her carefully for further accumulation. She also had bleeding. She had a skull fracture and a bleed, much like Bob. And they had to monitor her to make sure that blood doesn't accumulate, because if it does, they have to go in and surgically remove it with what's called a burr hole. So there's a lot going on here. And um, let me preface my next statement by saying, any speculation about the rec- the relationship with vaccine therapy and boosters in particular should not discourage you from getting boosters and vaccines. You should follow the data we know to be clear that if you're vaccinated, you're like 70 times less likely to be hospitalized. I can assure you from my personal experience, I've seen some nasty vaccine reactions, lots of them still worth it. COVID unprotected is really nasty. And even Omicron, really nasty. I had somebody almost die of that. And if you're vaccinated twice, it's a modest, it's a modest illness at, at best, you know, at worst rather. If you've had boostering and you really don't want to deal with serious, you know, significant vi- viral illness, it's rendered to a, a mild, mild illness. Uh, so I'm seeing clinically massive difference. And of course, this is borne out in the data between vaccinated people, double vaccinated, boosted. Now, the data on boostering, if you're below a certain year age, I would agree with you. It's not really there. Uh, now, if you want to get it, you should. It does help, but we don't yet have the randomized controls data to say you should do this. I My patients over 65, over 70, not only did I I got them boosted before they actually rendered the recommendation because I knew the recommendation was coming. I knew it was going to be good for that population. And I've already begun discussing with my patients who are over 75 a fourth vaccine for them. So that's my context of vaccine therapy. That doesn't mean we shouldn't look at the reactions to the vaccine and understand them thoroughly. There is one thing about I believe what happened to Chelsea, though I don't have a lot of details – what I know happened to Heather and what it seems happened to Bob, they all three had the the booster exactly three weeks before these falls. So my sort of thought to everybody getting boosted is 
hey man, pay attention to if you feel lightheaded, keep well hydrated. If you start to get dizzy, immediately sit down. Maybe you shouldn't go on any long car rides. Definitely don't do any heavy exertions, particularly where you're changing positions for about a month after your vaccine. That's my recommendation. Based on nothing, because we don't know whether this is real or not, but that's kind of how medicine works, is doctors step in and use our judgment and go, huh, something might be going on here. Uh, I see the benefits. I want people to get this thing. Uh, Definitely, if they're motivated, they should get it. But here's my recommendation to you. Pay attention. Pay attention, you guys, that if, you, uh, if you're getting boosted, something might be going on in middle-aged folks, male and female. Uh, it does not appear to be myocarditis, by the way. That appears to be something limited to – I was worried it was going to be myocarditis, which is a much more serious thing, which is something limited to younger males. And then boostering in younger males, again, this is a controversial topic in the science. Follow Dr. Vinay Prasad on Twitter at vprasadmdmph. P-R-A-S-A-D, Dr. Prasad, follow him carefully because he is posting the science on boostering in certain aid groups and masking in certain aid groups, and he's posting the actual science. Now, in those earlier male adolescent age groups, we are seeing myocarditis, and here's the thing I want you to know about that. The term myocarditis is being just sort of tossed around like, well, it's myocarditis, no big deal. It gets better, whatever. Um, Prior to the present moment, Myocarditis was a medical emergency. You went to the hospital by ambulance because when the heart is inflamed with a virus or any other inflammatory reaction, there's a possibility of a major rhythm disturbance and sudden death in any age group. And and so what we do, we take myocarditis, put them in the hospital, put them on a monitor immediately and watch them. So if they developed any rhythm disturbances, you intervened and get through this. It does appear to be mild. There doesn't appear to be much of that. That's the fact. But still, I want you to understand that myocarditis was a serious condition prior to this. Well, now we're like, oh, it's a big deal. It's just self-limited. It doesn't seem like a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, thankfully – It doesn't appear to be associated with the usual complications. It does appear to be mild. And one of the things about myocarditis that scared me personally, again, before the present moment, I'm talking about when my kids were young and viruses often infect the heart, was that it can be associated with cardiomyopathy later, meaning the heart fails and you need a heart transplant. Now, we're not seeing any of that, not seeing any of that. But people are watching carefully to make sure we're not. So I just want to we, – we, we've just gotten – well, let's put it this way. The fact that medical professionals aren't driving the conversation on this is wrong with a capital W. It's no way you can possibly understand the context or the meaning of these words you're just hearing for the first time that we in medicine work with on a daily basis and I have for 40 years, 35 years. Well, to be fair, back when my clinical training started, so 80, 83. So, yeah, 40 years. Uh, so, yeah, 40 years of dealing with these things, you get a pretty clear set of um, instincts and judgments around these conditions. And this is a new context, and it's a, probably a new syndrome of – syndrome meaning not a diagnosis, but a constellation of features around a diagnosis oftentimes – 
No way you could understand that. You just learned how to say the word ivermectin. You just learned how to say the word hydroxychloroquine. You just heard about this thing called myocarditis. You shouldn't know everything there is to know about that. I've been using, I've been seeing myocarditis my entire career. I've been using those other two medications, which I can't repeat because I'll get canceled for 40 years, particularly my lupus patients. And by the way, in immigrants, we are required to give ivermectin to immigrants from certain countries as soon as they hit our soil. They get a chorus of ivermectin because of the high incidence of what are called platy helminths, of uh, ascaris infections, that sort of thing. So there you go. Uh, Matt, does that, does that, that's my rant for the day. Did that all cover the territory? Did that make sense? Did I say anything that felt like it needed further clarification? Uh, I think you did good. If you want to sing the Full House theme song, I think fans <laughs> might appreciate that. No, no, no. A thrilling tribute. And, and Bob and I shared – people don't know this fact – we shared a very intimate phenomenon in which we both played the Olsen twins' father – I played it in their movie. He played it in the Full House television program. <laughs> you didn't know that, Gary? <laughs> I knew it, but the fact that you just drew that correlation is fantastic. He and I would talk about it. It's funny. It was like, you know, <laughs> we both had affection for MK, Mary Kate, and, and Ashley. Uh, and uh, yeah, we were. I was appreciative to have the opportunity. I, I, funny, funny footage from that film came up recently. I was looking at it. It wasn't bad. I mean, at least what I had with the girls. Now, I don't say the movie wasn't bad. I'm saying my moments weren't bad with them. No, you, you were you were good. I, I do really sincerely hope that that is a Jeopardy question five years from now. <laughs> Play. What what two luminaries? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so crazy. Um, so all right, so Gary, did that all? Could you follow me? Did I get? I was I too long with for both? I really wanted to make sure I covered it. Because people take stuff out of context. Poor, you know, I see what's happened to Joe Rogan. It's what's happened to me in the past. And you you really have to come back and explain everything. Uh, and, of course, people seem to have no patience for it. So I, I don't want to miss my opportunity. Did, did that make sense? Or do you have any follow-up questions? I, I did not find that too verbose. You're clearly passionate about this. And knowing, or rightfully so, knowing you very well, you know, I, you care deeply for people and you want to get this information out correctly. What, you know, when it changes, you like to admit that as well oh, and, yeah. and update people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess from a personal standpoint, I, I have questions about, you know, the, 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 the young male myocarditis thing. I mean, yeah. at what point do you advertise, you know, do you advise young children, you know, to get vaccinated, to get boosted? I saw that Moderna and, or maybe Pfizer was asking for an, exemption on six months to five years recently so i've got so here's here's my recommendation talk to your pediatrician uh clearly vaccines have benefit whether there should be boostering that is an open question you should talk with their with their uh, pediatrician but i want to review some data for you i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna bring this data to corolla this is data that peter atia put together from government sources and I, I want people to understand the relative risk of COVID at a particular age relative this, – this has my, been my complaint from the beginning. The risk-reward analysis has been shit. They've been doing things by fiat without looking at the risk-benefit analysis. So let me just tell you how, how this goes. So I, I'm going to look at overdose, motor vehicle accidents, suicide – and homicide. 
And we're going to use this is Peter Atia. Watch it, listen to his podcast, The Drive. It's the he has a great podcast with uh, Z Dog and Monica Gandhi, where they just review all this stuff. But I wrote down some of his data, which I thought was so very compelling. He looked at COVID as unity as one, and then assessed the risk of other causes of death relative to COVID. So, what do you imagine under five? Risk of motor vehicle accident is under age five relative to COVID. How many more t- times is COVID worse or better than a motor vehicle accident? See what I'm asking? I, I, yes, I do. And I understand how you're setting it up. But based on knowing you guys, I would say motor vehicles 10, 20 times more. 11 deadly. times. 11 times. How about, how about homicide of a five-year-old? How many more times than COVID? It's got to be at least three or four. 10. 10 times. Accidental overdoses, meaning you know poisonings of children, twice COVID. All right, how about five to fourteen year olds? Overdose is the same as COVID in five to fourteen. How about suicide? How much worse is suicide than COVID in a five to fourteen year old? Oh, how lately much? I got to imagine it's fifteen. It, it's it's six and a half, but it's going up. You're right. It's it's ten oh. times in fifteen to twenty five year olds. It's. You're 10 times more likely in, in 5 to 14 to die in a motor vehicle accident, 5 times more likely in 5 to 14 to die of homicide. In 5 to 25-year-olds, so this late adolescent, early adulthood, overdose, suicide, motor vehicle accident, homicides, all 10 times more likely to die than COVID. And in 25 to 35-year-old, Overdose close to seven times, suicide two times, motor vehicle accident twice, homicide twice, COVID. You got to put this in context. People are exorcised about COVID, and yet your fifteen-year-old, your fifteen-year-old is, and your nine-year-old, and you is ten times more likely to die in a motor vehicle accident. Your twenty-year-old is ten times more likely to die of homicide, and ten times more likely to die of an overdose. And I would argue the overdose category in particular is the most tragic because it can be dealt with. It can be changed. And yet nothing, nothing being done. It's disgusting. So come on now. The, we, you know, uh, the, what are we doing here, folks? What, what, what is it we're doing? And I, I, it's, again, in the same podcast that Tia talked about, he had uh, – I have great respect for that guy. He, he, had, he talked about a uh, – a uh, navigation. He, a family asked him to come in to convince their 35-year-old son to get vaccinated. He said, no, I'm happy to do that. And the f- mother and father were, of course, full vaxxed and they were freaking out about this son not being willing to get vaccinated at age 35. And finally, he asked a simple question of the father. He goes, what do you imagine your son's risk is of hospitalization and death if he doesn't get vaccinated? And the father said, oh, 50%. It's like seven per hundred thousand. It, it's, it's, it's the fact that he thought it was 50%. That is an abject failure of public health. Their job should be education. And instead, it has been terrorizing people. 50% the dad thought his risk was. It made me remember what I was getting back when I got COVID. And people were going, are you scared? Are you scared? I thought, why, why would I be scared? I have a 1% fatality rate. Why would I even be thinking about fatality? If it were twenty percent, I might think of it, and, and but and I certainly would like to stay out of the hospital because then my fatality rate may go up to five percent. But w- w- what are we doing? What have we done to people? And so, in a weird way, 
I don't blame people for freaking out about masks and freaking out about vaccines. They they have not been taught the reality of the data at given aid groups. And it's back to the stuff that Corolla has been yelling about since the beginning, which is they should have been telling us the real risk categories, which is above 65, certainly above 75, where it's it's devastation. It's terrible. But under 35, under 40, it's it's negligible. Not that it doesn't kill people in that age group. Don't do that. It does. It's nasty. It's a nasty illness. And it's highly contagious. And we need to get it under control to protect a lot of people, not just that will die under their 40s, but of course the at-risk category. But we could have done that in a targeted way without using a sledgehammer and trusting the public to be adult and get properly educated, which gives me the Brings me around to mask right now. Monica Gandhi is another great follow. Monica Gandhi, G-A-N-D-H-I-9, at Monica Gandhi 9, has really been on top of the mask data. And she's a mask advocate. And she is saying very clearly that N95, all those all those you know very fitted masks, um, confer protection somewhat. But, but if you want protection, it's somewhat, particularly if you have prolonged exposure to somebody with the illness protects you doesn't protect you from anybody else the data is clear on that they there were two randomized control study one was in denmark and one was in bangladesh they actually opened the data on the bangladesh data and the bangladesh study was 600,000 uh, participants because everyone was so worked up that it that there was a negative study essentially showed that mask on a mass scale on a population basis really don't do anything they opened the data they reanalyzed it multiple groups reanalyzed it actually was even less effective than the publication actually pointed out. So mass recommendation, clearly not effective. Individuals who are at risk and wanting to protect themselves should, N95 or above. So I suspect that's why we're seeing the mask mandates go away because the data is now clear. The real interesting question is, so why the F did it take two years for them to come up with this data? And why, And by the way, the Danish study was like a year ago. And same with Bangladesh, like at least eight months ago. Why didn't they? Why didn't they dis- use it and educate? I I am so disgusted by our public health system and the way they behave during this pandemic. I can't even. I can't even. I, I just takes my breath away. However, I'm still here to tell you that I'm seeing Fauci adjust course. I've told you from the beginning he will come out looking okay. Adam is right. He was adulterated for a while, but he has been a source of inspiration and great wisdom and knowledge for me through five pandemics. We have SARS-1, MERS, MERS, H1N1, HIV, and now this, SARS-2. And I just think he'll revert to the mean. I think he had a period where things were crazy. But I think his uh, recommendations will revert to the mean. And I would advise people to look at his recommendations as sort of aggressive. His recommendations are aggressive. I I think back now to the AIDS days when he was just hammering us about how it was going to be 2 million people dead, 2 million people dead. It doesn't just affect the homosexual population. And so we marched out as good soldiers and we scared the shit out of everybody who were heterosexual. And then congratulated ourselves afterwards for not allowing HIV to break out significantly amongst amongst, uh, uh, heterosexuals. And people have feelings about that now, and I don't blame them. But I would still – we pointed at Africa and said, look, it broke out there in heterosexual populations. It could have happened here. We made a big deal about it. But by the way, 
We did not shame anybody. We did not blame anybody. We used stories and telling stories about the people who were dying of this thing. And let's remind ourselves, you know, while this disease has a point zero 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 one death rate in, say, a 25-year-old, HIV had a 100% orders and orders and orders of magnitude more lethal, 100% fatal. And I, as a third and fourth year medical student at the time, was uh, telling people that they were going to die every day, that they had six months to live. And there was nothing we could do about it. It was, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible time. And there are very few people left available now to, to tell the tale. But we learned how to change behavior. And again, it was with narratives, relatable sources, music, humor, stories, not, not shaming and, and you know, pro, 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 proclaiming from on high. That, was the, that never ever has worked, never will work. So the mallet that public health used and the fact that they didn't educate properly – is is an abject failure, and we will look back on this. It will take a long time for people to get honest about it because everyone's oh, I worked up about it, but it will look terrible in retrospect. So that is my sort of setting the record straight on a number of topics. Thank you all for listening. Let me go to some calls. Don't underestimate the growth in the job market this year. Instead, make this your best year ever by sourcing top-level candidates with ladders. That's right. During COVID, lots of companies paused their search for hiring, and that has changed. Now hiring managers and recruiters are competing for candidates on the same job posting on websites. You posted your management position on the usual job posting websites. You detailed the job, experience, education, and you still got buried under resumes from entry-level applicants. Ladders isn't for the masses. The Ladders is where smart recruiters are hiring, and hiring managers find superior, expertly screened candidates to fill $100,000 to $500,000 positions. On average, Ladders job seekers have 15 years' experience, and most have a bachelor's or, or master's degree. Ladders saves you time. With the tap-to-call, one-click contact, unlimited resume downloads, and advanced features that separate active, ready-to-hire candidates from those just shopping. Save time and efforts, step up your search to the ladders, and target professionals that meet your specs the first time. Visit theladders.com, ladders like you climb a ladder, L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Visit theladders.com slash podcast. Visit theladders.com slash Drew. That is theladders.com slash Drew. Bull and Branch, you know I sleep on these streets every night. I love them. Um, gosh, how did we first get introduced to them? I don't even remember, but once we found them, we were in love. Bull and Branch makes not just the softest organic sheets on the market. They get better with every wash. And comfort isn't the only standard. They only use 100% sustainable raw material. And as the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen, you can feel as good about your bowl and branch sheets as they feel against your skin. Of course, they have buttery soft, lightweight, organic cotton, and classic satin weave for sheets. Not too hot, not too cool. Made to the highest standards. There's nothing worse than fitted sheets that don't fit. But with bowl and branch, they offer 17-inch deep-fitted sheets and labeled sides to help you make your bed beautifully every time. And best of all, Bull & Branch gives you a fair price, plus a 30-day risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns. 
Experience the best sheets you've ever felt with bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Dr. Drew, D-R-D-R-E-W, at checkout. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N, branch, like the branch of a tree, bowlandbranch.com. Use promo code Drew. BetterHelp, they are fighting to end stigma. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And look, uh, the fact that we treat other parts of our body different than the brain is just positively bizarre to me. And now people are getting used to using electronic media to access mental health services and BetterHelp has been leading the way. BetterHelp is customized online therapy, offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in just in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. I've sent patients, family. I've been very impressed with the services they render. And the Dr. Drew Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Drew. That is Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Drew. Matt, what's going on there? Big Bad Drew. Yeah, buddy. What's happening? we we got to get that. Pull that song out, Gary. We need that song for A&D. People have been bringing that up for me. Yeah. Okay, what's up? Hey, uh, I have a totally switching topics. I was just thinking about the whole Joe Rogan thing. Yeah. And then, you know, um, Whoopi's, like, Jewish-American princess recipe thing from 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think the rule should be if you're not, if you're not outraged at the time, Whenever it's a, a comedy skit, comedy act, an article that you wrote, a song, or an interview. Like, if you're not outraged back then, you can't be outraged now. Well, you can be. I think you can be, Matt, but you can at least give the person a chance to respond. You know, to go, you know what? At that point, I did not understand some of these things, or I didn't, it wasn't clear. You may not see it now. Like, for instance, uh, I, there, uh, occasionally Adam would have me read lyrics and you know say things that were embarrassing yeah. to me, and I would read them. I wouldn't say them out loud. I wouldn't. They wouldn't come out of my brain. It would just be me reading lyrics, and they then he'd laugh about right. it, right? And I'm sure there are some embarrassing, horrible things out there for that as well. And at the time, I thought to myself, I really thought to myself, I don't think I should even be saying these things. And I sought out advice. This is like 19, eh, maybe 99, 98, 2000. I remember having a giant argument with Rude Jude on the radio, live on Sirius, where he was using the N-word like and, and arguing that white kids in Philadelphia were already doing this, therefore it was okay. And I, I said, I remember saying, no, I've, I have talked to my friends. That word should not come out of your mouth. It's super clear. Keep it clear. Don't let it come out of your mouth. That's it, period. Now, well, I didn't know that when I was 17. I didn't know that when I was 35. But I, I, I went I, – and that and the fact that I didn't know it at those ages should yeah. also be a problem for us. We should all go, oh, my goodness, we have been stuck in a white point of view. Some people call it white supremacy. Some people call it Eurocentric. We need we need better language for that. But it's true. I, 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 did, I needed to pay attention. To, because I had my – people call it privilege. It's more than that. It's just we have a Eurocentric, white-centric perspective that we don't – even when people ask us to, to, to pay attention, we don't, we don't quite get it. I, I've said for quite a while now, Matt. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that, that all makes sense. But I'm just saying, you know, if people weren't 
making a big deal about it back then, even though I, I agree. I think what he said was horrible about Planet of the Apes and that. Yeah, oh, ridiculous. The, but, fact, the fact that he, here's what's horrible, that he didn't know that that was terrible. That's what's horrible, right. and he and he does, didn't quite address it in his ap- apology. Unfortunately, I liked his apology, except he didn't go. I had this. I had a perspective from being a white boy from wherever he's from that that, that I need yeah. to. I need to. I need to be aware of that, and and I can do something. I can. I can be. I can do better, and I think that's what most people are talking about. Oh, what's this now? What are you? What are you sending up there for me, Matt? Hold on a second. I have oh that bigotry uh, new name for what fueled Joe oh, Rogan's new scandal bigotry denial syndrome. It's an NPR article that I saw last night. Yeah, I saw him. I saw it. I didn't see the name bigotry denial syndrome. Mm, God, see that's that's, too, that's inflammatory. It's inflammatory. Let's call it that. What's that? Go ahead. Um, you know, if if it uh, can we just like not use the word anymore? Like yes. It shouldn't be okay for one group to say oh, a word. Well, that's you that's a, I mean? yeah, that's a conversation. I, I think it's just easy for the rest of us just to go just just, just radioactive. Just don't use it. And and and, and yeah. people are asking you to do that. So what's wrong with that? Fine, fine. For now, whatever. That's radioactive. I don't use it. I, that's been twenty years for me. I, I've I've known that to be true, but I didn't know it before. I did not know it. Listen, here. You know my background is. I when I was an a- adolescent loved Richard Pryor and would repeat oh, his yeah. routines from memory. You don't think the N-word was part of that then? And I did not realize yeah. what that meant, that me appropriating his humor, using his language was all no. Now, by the way, a lot of people did that at the time, and a bunch of comedians Eddie built Murphy, careers off it, too. So weird, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's it's all it's all, look it's all history. History's evolving. We're evolving. I I actually agree with you. I agree with you that we shouldn't judge the past from the present moment, but we should talk about it. I, yeah. I, I no problem with that. Yeah, we can talk about it, but just as uh, he shouldn't be, you know, uh, cast. <laughs> no, there should be, be no. Listen, I am I am against I am against um, cancellation. And neither should Whoopi for Correct. doing the same thing. You know, thirty-five years ago. Absolutely agreed. I, I and not and not just thirty-five years ago. That what she said about the Holocaust. We should all go. Wow! How did she ever get that idea? Let's talk about it and see if we can. You know, yeah. c- you know rather than going up oh, dead, dead to me. No, that what is that? And by right. the way, the, the dead to me thing. You know, the guillotines. That's uh, that's just the present moment, which I've been saying for two years. Which is eventually everyone goes on the guillotine. It will not miss anyone. So please don't think that because you're on the right side of things or the good guys that you will be missed. Look, just study French Revolution. Everyone goes on the guillotine. Matt, thanks for the call. Appreciate it very, very much. Uh, Gary, what do you think about that bigotry denial syndrome? How do you react to that? Uh, I, you know, I, was, I wasn't a, a huge fan of it. I think that it's a little bit... I think, it's, I think it's a description of what this is, but to label it that is, again, just being inflammatory against. Why I don't like white supremacy? We, we need a language, and that's not it yet. It, it is, it's more it's – more, it is a kind of denial. It is a kind of denial, but it's not, it's not bigotry denial because bigotry is the outcome of the denial. You know what I mean? It, it's it's yeah. not denying your bigotry. It's denying your perspective that results in bigotry. And I don't know. I don't know. We got. We got to think about it. I don't know how to name it, but I agree. There's probably a better name. Dan, what's going on? Hey, Doctor Drew, how are you? I'm good, man. What's happening? How's the How's good. the lovely uh, state of I love the state. Of, I love the Dakotas. I've been up there a number of oh, times, yeah. and they're just wonderful, wonderful states. 
Uh, is it, yeah. Are you in Rapid City? Is that South Dakota? Yeah. I live on the eastern side of the state uh, in Sioux Falls. So it's oh, the biggest, uh, biggest city in um, in South Dakota. Nice. And Rapid City is the second biggest. But nice. the west side of the state is way more beautiful than the right side of the state, that's uh, for sure. Yeah, but it's 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 a nice, interesting, diverse landscape. So what's up? Oh, sorry, I may have lost you there. There you go. What's going on? Uh, yeah, so I had a, a question about um, uh, miscarriages. So... Mm-hmm. My wife and I have tried to get pregnant twice. Um, the first time, she had an ectopic pregnancy. Um, we went into the doctor about a month after we found out. Um, she did an ultrasound, and, you know, she said that things didn't look normal, and that's all we really got. And then we came back in a couple weeks later, and she said, this isn't going to be a viable pregnancy. Um, so I uh, had the first miscarriage. Tried about a year and a half later. Um, uh found out she was pregnant about six or seven days later my wife started getting her period a pretty severe period um and that was just a couple weeks ago so another miscarriage we've got a doctor's appointment in a couple weeks to you know try to figure out what the next steps are and what's wrong but any advice uh, my wife's kind of freaking out yeah uh, you know now that she's had two miscarriages in a row i understand um you know any any thoughts or advice yes uh, understand women are very deeply, profoundly affected by these experiences. So your first order of business, it's way beyond anything we as men really even understand. So yeah. that, you need to take that position. Like, I, 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 I see what this does to you. I understand. I'm here to support you. And don't try to solve anything. Just be very supportive. So, so there's that. And, and let me understand, she had one ectopic. Is that right? Yes. One yes. ectopic and then two first trimester miscarriages, right? Uh, just one first trimester miscarriages. Uh, miscarriage, sorry. This just happened where we haven't had an ultrasound. We just found out. We haven't even been to the doctor. This was just like last week. So, yeah, one ectopic and then one other miscarriage. Didn't you say there was another one where there was a non-viable something going on? Uh, no. No, I'm sorry, I may have misspoke. A one ectopic, and then a year later we tried, and that was that was this current miscarriage. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, so, yep. you know, the first trimester, you know, miscarriages are very common, right? So okay. that's, you know, that may or may not have anything to do with anything. The ectopic, they, need, they may need to sort of do something called a hysterosalpingogram, where, where they check her tube patency and function. Has she ever had a okay. procedure like that? I don't think so, no. Yeah, so that's probably in her future to make sure she, part of the problem isn't sort of getting the fetus to the uterus. The other thing is you, you really sh- – I, I, how old are you now? You're 33. How old is she? I'm, I'm 33, and she is 28. All right, so you have a little time on your hands, but I, I mean – I, I would hasten fertility evaluation. I, I I wouldn't rush to it. Let's see what you're. Are you seeing a fertility specialist or just kind of an obstetrician? Uh, we're uh, we were meeting with the uh, OBGYN first, I think, or the pregnancy right. doctor first, but we haven't seen fertility specialists right. yet. So so my bet is the the OBGYN will do a certain amount of workup. He or she will tell you to go try a few things. They'll sort of make some adjustments and give you a few months more of trial before they sent you to a fertility specialist. That's my bet. 
Now, if they okay. if they tell you to see a fertility specialist, by all means, do it uh, because there's okay. there's something in their head. They're thinking they're th- they they may want you to get genetically tested, and, and I don't know, you know, how early they want to do that. And by the way, the gynecologist, the, this obstetrician, may be able to do it him or herself. But but you want to okay. make sure there's not some inborn genetic error that's causing these early demises. That you'd want to know right. about. You'd want to know about, uh, p- particularly if you're going to bring a fetus to, you know, f- full full term with an inborn error of some type. You want to kind of be prepared, testing for this. You, you know, so so again, there, so one hand, the, 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 there are sort of several issues. One is tube function. Are her tubes working right? Tube function. Second is. Is there some genetic, they may send you to what's called a genetic counselor, is there some genetic issue you should be on top of, of aware of? And, you know, there are many other issues of fertility as well, right, in terms of the implantation process, in terms of her having autoantibodies to your sperm, all, all kinds of stuff. But what you do know is you can fertilize an egg. And so that is part of the question. You know, are you actually having fertility? You know, are you able to form a fetus? And the answer to that is yes, you can, because we know we had that ectopic pregnancy. So that answers a bunch of questions already. Uh, but but I, I don't know. Well, I'll be interested. Call back. I'm interested to see how they advise you. I, I haven't been in this situation in a while, and I'd be curious if they you know, send you off to fertility or if they do a bunch of work up themselves first and then send you with some, some recommendations to enhance the fertility. I, I suspect okay. it's going to be the latter. I suspect it is. All right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I certainly can. Yep. All right. Good luck, man. All right. Thanks, Dr. Right. Drew. Bye. No one wants to spend an hour cooking dinner after a rough day at work. Well, with Freshly, no more. Food that's fast doesn't have to be fast food. That's right. Freshly offers quality meals without all the tough work and certainly with better nutrition. Get delicious, chef-made, nutrient-packed meals delivered straight to your door. No cooking required. Fresh and never frozen, ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. Use the Freshly website or app to find meals that fit your lifestyle and choose from over 50 nutritionist-designed entrees like their classic steak peppercorn, multi-serve sides, masterful mac and cheese, skip the grocery shopping, and the dirty dishes. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week. New meals are added weekly. Stop stressing about dinner right now because Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Drew. F-R-E-S-H-L-Y. Freshly.com slash Drew. That is $40 off at Freshly.com slash Drew. Well, you've heard me talk about AMCN, and then insurance doesn't necessarily cover the cost of an emergency medical flight, or certainly not the full cost. You can still get hit with a substantial deductible and co-pays. Protect your family and your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. As a member, if an emergency arises, the expense of air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs... Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That is just pennies a day. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should do without. For a limited time, as the Dr. True Podcast listeners, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use offer code Drew. Well, the Jordan Harbinger Show, uh, look, we know Jordan. Um, Adam and I have known him for years. He is a great guy. He's an interesting guy. He, he interviews only the most interesting people. 
And look, the guy himself speaks multiple languages. He has a law degree. He has been uh, a captive in more than one situation. He'll tell you about that. You just search for The Jordan Harbinger Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or go to jordanharbingershow.com slash subscribe. That's right. You should really be listening. And I know that every day somebody tells you you have to listen to some podcast and you say sure, but the Jordan Harbinger Show is truly special. Each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest. Uh, let's say someone who – Jordan, for instance, talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI. And uh, on another, he talks to a cinematographer who discovered a lost city in the jungle. That's right. Jordan Harbinger Show, always focused on pulling useful, practical insights out of brilliant guests. I enjoy the Jordan Harbinger Show, and I think you will too. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That is H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So um, I'm curious, you guys, I've got both Matt and Gary uh, in the house today with me. Do you guys have any questions? You know, I, Gary, have you been talking about your little struggle lately? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been open about the fact that I've I've been COVID positive for eight days now. And and what were your symptoms? Uh, the first day they were nothing. I was absolutely shocked to test positive. I was walking out the door when I glanced at the test and was very strongly positive. <laughs> um, and so then crazy. in subsequent days, I I had some fatigue. I mean, I, you know, I would go to the, you know, do stuff, move around the house and go out in the garage and get stuff. And I'd find myself getting tired faster than I should. But beyond that, kind of nothing. Are you triple? My wife. Are you, are you boosted? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Boosted. Um, boosted recently as yeah. of, uh, you know, right after Christmas. So within four weeks, five weeks or so, uh, my wife who, uh, who my wife, who did not test positive, uh, had a really, really bad struggle. She had four or five days where I was, as you know, constantly in contact with you and trying to figure out monoclonal antibodies, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is way harder than it should be. And, you know, all kinds of stuff. I, I, she tested negative eight days in a row. Yeah. So so the testing uh, is all all over the place, right? The testing. I, I was negative. Um, my son who brought it into the household tested negative, and yet our whole household got it in varying degrees. Everyone else tested positive. I was in the presence of all the positive patients for weeks, did not get another illness, you know, so I had it before the Omicron. The testing is all over the place with Omicron. You can test negative. You can test positive at the beginning and not later. You can test positive negative at the beginning and positive later. You can test positive weeks later. It's just all over the place. I don't know why it is that way, but it is all over the place. So testing yeah, is a hard doctor, thing to rely on. Yeah. Her doctor, when she called to ask questions, basically said, if you get a positive test, trust it. If you get a negative test, that's bullshit. Don't trust. Yeah. that's He, is, he or she is exactly correct. So um, – but what I'm interested in is the ability to get therapeutics now. So you and I, I was, I was telling you on the phone how, how frustrated I was with trying to get citrovimab, which is the one monoclonal antibody still effective against uh, Omicron for sure. There are some Regeneron products that might be effective against uh, Omicron. And Paxlovid, and now there's some new data on Molnupiravir, show them to be excellent. And we couldn't get them. Yesterday, Gary, I found uh, a website that the CDC put together where they will tell you what pharmacies are available, have been distributed, both Paxlovid and Molnupiravir, and how many doses they have on hand today. So in the future, everybody, 
Uh, it's a it's a nationwide site. I'm going to pull it up here right now so I can get the name of it right for you. Uh, it's called COVID-19. Oh, boy. It's COVID-19 Therapeutics Locator. Uh, it's a U.S. government procedure procured COVID-19 therapeutics. It's from the FDA, an emergency use authorization. Again, it's a find locations therapeutic locator. Uh, who who's putting this out? Okay, DHHS, so Department protect- of Health and Human Services. DHHS is putting it out. That's right. So it it's protect-public.hhs.gov. I've got mine. The the test I've got is COVID-19-therapeutics-locator-dhhs.hub.arcgis.com. Uh, again, All right. I, so if you go to the go to the first site I gave you, there's yeah. a button. Before. Yeah. There's only one button, and it takes you to the one Drew just read off. So. And, and by the way, it took me a half an hour of screwing around to get to this page. But you will find a map with dots all over it that are pharmacies and distribution centers for monoclonal antibodies. You can see what is up. Uh, well, I've been complaining about this for weeks and months. And I thank, and again, I, I'm full of gratitude when our government or our HHS or our FDA or our CDC – does the right thing. I am filled with gratitude that the HHS has put this together. Thank you. Where the fuck was it three weeks ago when I had a patient that was dying? But okay, okay, or two months ago, whatever it was. Uh, but thank you for uh, putting it together. I am filled with gratitude. And hopefully the distribution will intensify. But know that these antivirals will be uh, are extremely effective. Uh, if you have moderate illness, molnupiravir may be the best ch- choice for you. If you have moderate to severe with risk of progression, definitely Paxlovid. Whether you need, need a monoclonal antibody also is an interesting question. Harder to get, uh, but these things are out there. So, all right. Uh, I'm seeing a headline where Richard Pryor's daughter is in the in the headlines now and people saying uh, Rain Pryor she says he'd be shocked by racism today. Have we gone backwards? Yeah. So I, I think it's that we've gone backwards. Uh, Drew, I think we've uncovered a bunch of stuff. Yeah. What's up? Agree. Uh, but just back to the previous topic. Um, is our uh, Paxlovid and Molinuvir, however you say it, uh, are those therapies that are, are going to be available to people who have not tested positive? Because that was kind of the issue I was running into with my wife. I don't know the answer to that. You're probably going to have to go pharmacy by pharmacy. I'm sure people will lie about it. So so what the hell? I don't know why that's – they typically want – test positive. I would argue, I'm not saying it's time for civil disobedience. I'm saying that, as we've discussed already, the test is all over the place. So negative test doesn't yeah. mean very much. If somebody has significant risk of progression in a, a an opinion of a physician, they need therapeutics, period. And so... And these look like very safe medications so far. And let's say you're treating another virus that's progressing so fast that you worry someone's going into the hospital. How, how bad are you going to miss the mark with the molnupiravir or Paxlovid? So anyway, whatever. Uh, you, well, I will, I will give slight props to the doctor that helped my wife. Uh, she, on you know day three or four, said, maybe this isn't COVID. I'd like to have an antibiotic. And that doctor said, sure, no problem. You know, it's, yeah. Why not? As a stopgap, um, let's just be safe. Uh, Drew, one thing I wanted to jump in with real fast, just because of how much we've been talking about scientific data today, I want to point out that this is recorded February 10th, 2022. Okay. Okay. It, may, it may come out in a week or two, but okay. I just want to cover it. Yeah, yeah. Be, be careful that things, things change, and I'm ready to change. I'm ready to change my impressions based on currently available wisdom. But um, if your wife had been 55 or greater, 
uh, I would have approached her very differently than we did because yeah. the overwhelming probability is she's going to be fine. So it's overwhelming. So it gives us lots of room to kind of wait it out and just kind of, you know, she's going to be fine kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, very reassuring having you there. And uh, it was enlightening to me when you finally called me and I said, I think it's breaking. And you just went, okay, and you know, we're done. It was, it was very, it was, it was like, yeah, I'm not calling you again for the next few days, probably. And, you know, we'll, well be in because, touch, that's, because that, that tells you everything you need to know, first of all, that the direction isn't going in the right direction. And it's, it's the context. It's a young, healthy woman, you know, young. Yeah. But and it's like, I'm saying it. your that's reaction it. of that, the, this I was like, oh, okay. Well, then we're good. It, it just changed my whole outside too. Okay. So it was yeah, it makes you nervous. It's, it's it's a it's a it's a nasty illness. It's really nasty, and so and we and you know it can go bad in rare cases. And you don't want to be a rare case. So, but it's very 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 unlikely. All right, I got one more call. Oh, geez, I'm almost out of time. Right? Wow, my goodness. Uh, Ken, question. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey. Good morning. Yeah. Hey. Doctor. Hey, it's good to get get a hold of you. You as well. Hey, do you see the question up there? It's kind of off the cuff, kind of a fun topic. I thought I was going to talk with you and Adam, but well, maybe you know, should... have you ever heard the term S-O-N-E-S? No. Um, Is it like a hobo power? Well, it's sound. Oh, interesting. And I've never heard of this, and the reason I got it is I'm buying a fart fan because I'm redoing, uh, replacing an old fan that uh, bit the dust. And it's set on the box for Sones. So interesting. And, uh, is, it, is, that, is that short? Does that I, sound for an acronym or something? No, it's it's actually meant for it's it's a derivative of the word sound. Weird. And it's uh, related to phone. I had to Google it. You know, wow. you see all that stuff. Wow. Anyway, that's that's what it was. I was wondering if he. Had, I'm, I'm getting a four zones, I'm, I'm and gonna, that's loud I'm enough bring to cover your personal issues. I'm gonna, but it's uh, <laughs> not, not, not hoity-toity enough to be the the it's high the, dollar fan. Ten, ten, but ten I do hobo. have a medical, another, an actual prescription question. Okay, hold on, for you. hold on. It's for ten hobo power. So go ahead. What's the actual? Here's the actual medical question. Yeah. I got a uh, uh, meeting uh, checkup on Monday. Mm-hmm. So this is. Perfect timing. Yeah. I used to take phenofibrate for high triglycerides. My yeah. high triglycerides are like over 1,000. Yeah. So they had me on phenofibrate, 54 milligrams, uh, for a, ye- a couple years. Mm. And what I finally got off it because the, my muscles ached. Oh, yeah, it's not good. And I didn't put two and two together until finally I realized I'm taking this medication for yeah. years, and I've been feeling like an old man for yeah. years. I'm 55. Yeah. yeah. And so the guy, the doctor just took me out. He goes, okay, yeah, you're not right for that. And he just checked it off, next medication. Yeah, yeah. So they tried me on gemfibrozole, yeah. gemfibrozil. Yeah. Is that comparative or not? I'm still sore, but not crazy sore. So if you... I'm going in to talk to my doctor. I still have aches. My legs ache. And, you know, I get up and I move around and I'm, you know, I think I'm... 55-year-old aches and pains. Does Jim, is, is a different family of drug? Is it the same family doing the same thing for this triglyceride? That's my question. Uh, let me double check. I believe it's a completely different thing. I mean, it's so hard. They don't give you the right information on these sites. I haven't well, used, that, See, I haven't... I don't I, need I, to put I'll you, no, no, it's no problem. Uh, gosh darn it. 
I guess my question is, is I still feel aches, but not in the severe that I had before. Yeah. I, so I know I, I was good to change. So, and, and you it, were on phenofibrate. I was on phenofibrate. Yeah. And I think it went, it was originally 54. I think it was over 100 at the time I was done taking it. Uh, and it brought my triglycerides down. So it did what it was supposed to do. So they're very similar in terms of efficacy. Phenopurbrate was way better. It went head to head. Uh, yeah, I'm, I got my blood tested. She's going to show me the results. So I don't know what, how good the gemfibrazole works. Oh, coenzyme reductase inhibitor. Statin. Oh, my goodness. I, I have not used. It, it, it's funny. Here, here's so. Here's my take. The the phenofibrate and gemfibrosil are things we used to use a lot in isolation for uh, high triglycerides. And what happened is um, some of the statins started covering the triglycerides as well. Okay. And, and, and so uh, a torvastatin, for instance, particularly is one that that we just started using, and it seemed to take care of that problem. So we didn't need so much to isolate it. Also. High triglyceride, low HDL is associated – now, this is controversial – but with hyperinsulinemia and insulin resistance. And there is a group of people out there – I'm not recommending this, but I was going to educate you about this – who suggest that cutting out carbohydrates may have a significant effect on this metabolism as well. And the okay. other thing is to make sure – you know, hypertriglyceridemia can have a – underlying cause, pancreatic disease, all kinds of stuff. And so you should be asking, you know, is there something workup we should be doing to see why my triglycerides are so elevated? And and muscle pain from statin or these other, you know, gemfibrosil, that's not a good thing. You, you really should be uh, thinking about adjusting course if you can uh, okay. to find something that works. Well, so, the phenofibrate, so, it was a night and day. I, I mean, I got it. off I it within it. five days. I yeah. was a new man. Yeah, so I, I was like... It. Holy cow. I, I get the it. The only that, reason is I did some research. The doctor never really followed well, up. Well, we don't think about that when it's causing the muscle aches as so much as the statins, which very commonly do that. So okay. it's, you're kind of in a weird situation. And there's another medicine called Vitorin, which uh, attacks both the production of cholesterol and the absorption of cholesterol. And in my experience, and this is just anecdotal, with a low-carbohydrate diet, that combo really has a rather powerful effect. Again, your particular physiology has to be kind of nailed down and addressed. It, it's not it's not like we have one size fits all, particularly with hypertriglyceridemia as the primary issue. So, so yeah, that was my pre- well. The the other thing is I had I had a heart valve changed out. I called you guys a few years ago. Um, so that's what started all this. Once they oh, start looking at you, you become a lab rat. Well, not a lab um, rat. They're they're doing what they're supposed to do. They, they oh treat no, no, no! I'm, I'm not complaining. Yeah, it's just that. But they, my surgeon told me he said your high triglycerides. I've seen it in guys like you that have valve issues. Oh, isn't that interesting? And, and he just made an off the cuff. He wouldn't really. He didn't put too much taking it, but he was changing my heart valve out. So he, well, he yeah, you may want to go back to them or email them or something, because the question is, did he mean that the valve problem was causing the triglyceride issue, or people with high triglycerides get valve problems? I suspect, yeah, it, I he suspect did, it's I the latter. I, I didn't go into it with him. He kind of just said, guys like you, and I was in my low fifth, early 50s when yeah. I had the valve replaced. Yeah. I had a tricuspid 
I was born with a bicuspid that should have been a tricuspid. It was the aortic valve, yeah, yeah. and they changed out the root, and then yeah. they put in a pace. You know, yeah. they did the whole the whole thing. Yep. I'm a fifty million dollar man. Kind well, of well, good for you, man. So again, so I'm, fish, I'm being very vague because this is kind of an unclear situation until there's a lot more information out. But uh, thank you for the call, Ken. I got to wrap this thing up. I'm way over time, and uh, thank you all for being here. We appreciate you calling in, Gary, Matt. Thank you for participating here today, and uh, I will talk to you all next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. This February on Pluto TV, we're putting the spotlight on iconic black talent. Watch your favorite movies like Top 5, 48 Hours, and More Than a Game. And drop in to binge black TV classics like The Bernie Mac Show and Moesha. Pluto TV has hundreds of channels and thousands more movies and TV shows all for free. So download the Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start watching today. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free.